Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks. Hey now, it's the Mike and JD show, and I'm your host, Mike Gilbert, and I'm joined as always by JD by God Oliva. How you doing, JD? Not always. I was gone last week. Joe filled in yeah. for me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, th- so JD was out. He was at Disney World and Universal Studios, and uh, my cousin Joe filled in. How was it? I hate Disney World. The Magic Kingdom is awful. It's yeah. hot. Like, it's Florida, so it's hot. But it's, like, on blacktop, and so the heat just, like, permeates off the ground. Mm -hmm. There's no signs that tell you where anything is. And, like, the worst part about it, I didn't have a very good time match game. The worst part about it was we were there for, my wife wanted to see the fireworks, so we had to see the fireworks. And then it took an hour and a half to leave the park after it closed. Hmm. So we had to stand in line for the stupid tram, which was an hour, and then we had to walk back, which was our mistake for not getting on the bus, but I still had to walk back to my car, which is another half hour. So it was an hour and a half to get out of the park. It was a miserable, miserable experience. Hollywood Studios was great because all the Star Wars stuff, you know, I'm a big Star Wars nerd. And let me tell you something, Universal Studios is where it's at. Universal Studios has covered parking like an actual parking deck. They have yeah. um, escalators, mobile walkways and parts, and it's like user-friendly. Like they, and they have, when you get in the park, it has signs. Like you buy a fast pass for the whole park, not for yeah. one ride at a time. <laughs> like, So do they have like a big sign directing you to where TNA used to record with a big picture of Dixie Carter, like as like a, she's part of the Universal Studios Hall of Fame there? If you're referring to Kong Skull Island, then yes, they absolutely have a sign <laughs> that says that. As far as old TNA stuff, no, there is no. They no. they have much like Spike TV has been erased from existence. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Well, I mean, it sounds like you know Disney sucked, but at least Universal Studios is cool. I bet yeah, Andy Universal had a good time, right? The the kid Andy, had, Andy a had a blast. He uh, yeah. we built a light. He built. He did himself. I was just there for moral support. He built his own lightsaber, and they put a big like production out of it. Like the guy who runs the thing. I'm like, this dude should be in movies. He's really good. Like, mm-hmm. so he's putting together his lightsaber, and he got to build a droid, and I got to spend a stupid amount of money on it, but it was worth it because you know the kid <clears> had fun. He had a he yeah. had a blast. So it's well, good. Gl- uh, glad glad at least Andy had fun. Wow! And there's a big train driving through JD's house right now. <laughs> so he he apparently JD lives next to a train track. But hey, I just want to take an opportunity to uh to thank uh, my cousin Joe. He was uh, he filled in for JD last week. I've been trying to get him on the show for a while because he you know we're related. We had a podcast for a while before. We have good chemistry, and he brings a different dynamic because he's such a uh, he's such a WWE fan, but he's a fan that doesn't hate everything else that's not WWE. So he's what you would call a reasonable fucking human being. And so it was it was fun to have him on and to give and for us to talk a little bit more WWE stuff because when JD is JD and I, it typically runs to be uh, AEW uh, centric, AEW heavy because, well, I mean, not it's not our fault. AEW has been dominating the news cycle with all the shenanigans they got going on. We got more of that stuff. Uh, it's more of the same tonight, but it was it was really cool to actually be able to sit down and have in depth conversation about what's going on in WWE. 
Yeah, it was a, it was listening. It was like listening to a show, but a different show. Like, you know, it's funny how yeah. one voice can change the dynamic of things. And um, I've mentioned to you before, we got a really kick-ass deal in the house and we bought it. Big part of that is because there's train tracks about 150 feet from the house. Uh, probably, like about, a, probably about 500 like Brad, feet, actually. Like Brad Pitt's house in Seven, right? You remember bit. that scene where Morgan <laughs> Freeman goes to visit him and like all of a sudden like the train comes through and the whole house is shaking? Uh, the first night we lived here, the first time we moved in, like because we had seen the tracks but never put two and two together. So the wife and I are, are <laughs> lying down. We had just moved in the house. We lie in bed. And it's like that scene at my cousin Vinny. Like, and we both like jump out of bed like, oh, shit, now it makes more sense. And I've yeah. come to just get used to it. But yeah, it never ceases. It never fails whenever I'm podcasting sometimes that train will come through so sorry yeah, where i lived at, where i lived at in missouri it was a similar thing we had we were pretty close to the train tracks and then you just get used to it and you sleep through the train tracks yeah i barely notice yeah. it now i just it was loud tonight so i was just like oh shit and i could see from look on your face like <laughs> oh he he hears that i need to mute this Click. yeah well we've we've had this podcast for two years and that was the first time it's ever happened so i, I think it's i think it's fine we started a little early tonight, I guess. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But hey, um, so I teased it last week and JD's been talking trying to get me to tell this story for a while. Oh, yes. But since the the story happened while I had a podcast with Joe, we started to tell the story of my Twitter fight with Baron Corbin that some would say ultimately cost him the money in the bank match. <laughs> um <laughs> So here, here's here's what happened. And I've avoided telling the story for a long time because I've always been kind of embarrassed by my behavior. And it takes a lot for me to be embarrassed by my behavior. But I'll, once I tell the story, you guys will understand why. So um, there was – Dave Meltzer was just on his radio show one day. And it was in the middle of one of, of Baron Corbin getting a push in WWE. And he just kind of had like an offhand remark saying, well, you know, Baron Corbin's getting a push. And it's because just Vince McMahon really likes tall guys. He, he didn't really have anything much other than the fact that he's pretty tall and athletic. And I, at the time, concurred with that. Now I feel like Baron Corbin has a lot more personality. At the time, he was just a tall, athletic guy. I didn't really see much in the guy. Um, and, you know, as as the news sites will do, they took that one quote from Dave Meltzer. They tweeted it with a picture of Baron Corbin. And sure enough, someone tagged Baron Corbin in it. And uh, Corbin then tagged Dave Meltzer. Um, basically, you know, talk a shit to Dave. And for whatever reason, and I'll never know why, I felt the need to jump in and rescue Dave here because I don't even know Dave. We're not friends. I met him one time in a wrestling show, and that was it. But for some reason, I just jumped in and was just like, you know, hey, look, Dave is more respected in the wrestling business than you'll ever be. That's what I said. So he, he, he clicks on my profile. He looks at a picture. It's me and my wife, and we're at an indie show, uh, All Pro Wrestling. And he... uh he took a look at that. He goes, oh, so says a loser who goes to indie shows. And I took offense to the term loser, right? Especially after you're taking a look at a picture of me and my wife, right? So I then responded with a picture of me and Vince McMahon in Afghanistan. I was like, I'm a loser. Your boss didn't think so when we were uh, in Afghanistan together. And and then all of a sudden, he then apologized. Says credit, he apologized immediately. And then next thing you know, Twitter goes apeshit. <laughs> Like, I think I had tweets the first night. It was unbelievable. Just comments and retweets, people shitting on me, people coming to my aid, people having arguments. I had military guys in my DM saying I, what I did was unprofessional. They were right, by the way. I should not have done that, <laughs> um, which is why I'm embarrassed by it. But so, um, so this whole thing blows up. I, you know, he apologized to me. I apologized to him. I deleted all the tweets and I'm, and I'm hoping to move on. Then a fucking week goes by. He wins. He, he loses the money in the bank match or he wins. He has the money in the bank briefcase. Right. And he goes and he fails his cash in. And then people start tagging me on Twitter saying, well, you shouldn't have messed with Mike Gilbert. Then Dave Meltzer, <laughs> Dave Meltzer chimes in. Dave Meltzer chimes in and said, you know, guys, there's actually something to this story. So next thing you know, people are blaming me for the fact that Baron Corbin lost the, his money in the bank briefcase. Bleacher Report covered this. It gets covered by all the wrestling news sites, and they're they're showing my tweets, screenshots of my then deleted tweets. And I'm not a tweet deleter. I only tweet, I only delete stuff if I have like horrible grammar. That's when I delete it, right? If I say something stupid, I typically own it. But this time I was embarrassed, right? Um, it gets covered everywhere. And then all, and then like, um, I, I email, then I emailed Dave and I was just like, Hey, look, I deleted those tweets. 
you know, I really, I really don't think that's why what happened, but look, here's why I responded. I was like, you know, look, he called me a loser and, and that's a red, that's a red line with me. And he called me a loser after looking at a picture of me and my wife. I felt like he was, you know, I feel like he hit below the belt. Um, some people would disagree with that. He was just being an asshole on Twitter. Guess what? I was being an asshole on Twitter. I, I'm fine with it now. You're really but, good at being so, an asshole on Twitter, to be fair. I, I, I am, but I, I wouldn't like, <laughs> you know, look at a man and his wife and then like call him a loser or, you know, you know, something like that. So I will insult your intelligence, but I won't go after your family anyway. And so um, I was just like, I'm just hoping this thing will will all move on. Well, he then copies and pastes that email that I sent him and puts it in the observer, but didn't credit me as saying it. <laughs> so Mike, Mike, or no, he said, um, from what Mike is saying, but he didn't say that I emailed him. So he treated it like I was some kind of like almost like a source. Like a source? Yeah. I was, dude, I just emailed you. So that, that was a little bit weird anyway. Um, and I wasn't doing that so he could put it in the observer. I was just doing it to kind of clear the air. Um, so the whole so he loses the money in the bank briefcase. I think the whole thing's blown over, and um, I I have a podcast, so I kind of use this thing to get podcast views and YouTube views of and downloads and stuff like that. <clears throat> I end up getting a couple thousand downloads off of this controversy. Right, very next week I I drop I drop below a hundred again. I'm like fuck. <laughs> I was like I thought this whole thing was gonna blow up. Anyway, uh, a couple months later I just quit the podcast because I ended up uh, my wife got pregnant. I ended up moving. It was a whole thing. Um, but every now and then on Squared Circle Reddit, rest in peace Reddit, on on there like somebody will bring it up and they will just start talking shit about me like this piece of shit Mike Gilbert. And then my cousin will go on there without telling them who he is. And he'll just start agreeing with them. Like, yeah, he is a total piece of shit. And then he'll <laughs> screenshot it and send it to me. as like, bastard. It's like, you hilarious bastard. Um, so every, every now and then it, it, it'll pop back up. But so the reason why I've always been kind of embarrassed by it is because I used my, I used my military service to, to, to insult somebody. And that is inappropriate. It's not something that I would do now. Um, and I wouldn't, I would say that I was young then, but I was not, I was already in my thirties. So it's not like act like I was a young kid. Right. Um, but I, I just, I happen to be a little bit embarrassed by it, but it was time to tell the story. I had to come clean on that deal. I gotta be honest with you, man. I've known you for about three years now and I've never heard this story. When was this like 2018, 2019, 2017, 2017. He's been yeah. there that long. He, he, that was his like first or second year being called up from NXT. Yeah. Wow, you're right. He is. You're not wrong though about your about you know Baron Corbin. Like that guy has gotten no. a bazillion and one chances up there. Okay, I yeah. know it's inappropriate. I know that you shouldn't have done that. But goddamn, is that funny? Because if a guy puts that pick, I mean, like, it's hard to put people in their place. But immediately, if you tweet a, a picture of your boss and you and like, that guy's boss and you're in like military fatigues, like. You just fucking owned him immediately, I, and he's got nothing. Like, yo, were you wrong? Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, like, it's yeah. really funny. <laughs> I can't deny the fact that it's funny. I just didn't tell the story for a long time because, uh, again, I used my military service to to clap back at somebody when, really, he didn't do anything wrong because I started the argument. He called right? your wife a loser. He called you and your wife a loser. Like, yes. Yeah. And like, I, because I know you were friends, I know what your family looks like. That is not what he should have said in that reaction. <laughs> like, no, if he would have said asshole, okay, I got you. But yeah. the, the word loser is kind of what, that's what set me off. And I was like, I okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fucking loser in here. I'll show you why. And then, and then I had a follow-up tweet, but all the tweets have been deleted and I have not seen them in a long time. I was just like, uh, does a loser, is a loser a homeowner? No. Is a loser the non-commissioned of officer of the year? No, right? Is a you know loser this this like all this stuff that I like I I don't dude I was set off by this thing it was wild and I typically don't let people get under my skin but fucking Baron Corbin did it so I mean kudos to him I guess uh, he I mean he got you but I mean you really yeah. got him back <laughs> like that's yeah very rarely to like you know random dudes win one on Twitter over like even famous or semi-famous people I guess. That's impressive. Yeah. That's like the that's like the tongue lashing I took on Voices of Wrestling Discord this week. So I mean, kudos <laughs> to you, sir. That's really funny. Yeah, yeah. So Ooh. hopefully that's that, that's in the bag. Or 
our podcast is uh, doing pretty well numbers wise. It might actually bring up this whole controversy again, but <laughs> I just need someone. We just need an aggregator to kind of bring this back. You know, right? one so of the now that he's in NXT, like so. So there was like hundreds, if not thousands, of replies right to that tweet, and there's only one that really sticks out as being funny because it was a reply. So he apologized to me. He's like, "Hey, look, you've definitely done great stuff in your life, something like that. So you're not a loser. My bad." Um, but I disagree with your opinion. And and then somebody replied to that, and he goes, he goes, hey, Baron, if you backpedal any faster, you might get abs. And I don't know why I thought that was so funny. <laughs> uh, wow, that is that is really, really funny. Yeah, I'm sorry. I wish I knew you back then. That's a great story. <laughs> you know what the yeah. funny part is? I'm sure I read that. I know I'm I was sure reading all this stuff at the time. That's it was, dude. It hilarious. was, it was, it was out there. Like those, um, the white culture guys did a video on it. Um, I really? think Russell talked, Russell talked did a, Russell talked did a video on it. Yeah. It was like, it was like a big deal. People at work were talking about it. Cause I was showing them like, Hey, look at Bleacher Report. Look, I'm, I'm one of the top stories on Bleacher Report this week. That is kind <laughs> of embarrassing. actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, then, and they were like, you have a fucking wrestling podcast. I was like, uh, yeah, let's not talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you win the show this week, sir. That's good. I've never heard their story before. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's so funny. Um, what the hell are we talking speak, about? <laughs> well, speaking of speaking of funny, um, I think AEW's locker room division is hilarious. By the way, and if you are not completely entertained by CM Punk uh, talking shit about Hangman Page and everybody being all pissy about it, and you just don't oh, think it's entertaining. Dude. I don't know what to tell you, man. It's fantastic. But the AEW locker room is divided once again when I thought all this stuff was over. We're now back to square one here. I So I got a lot of thoughts on this one. Um, it's funny. I was listening to Warren. You listen to Warren Hayes' show? He's a good dude. No, I see I see him on the Discord, but I've never listened to his show. Yeah, he's a really good dude. I got to listen to his show today for the first time in a while. He's got sources in AEW who, said, who, who described the environment last night as chill. Huh. You know? So, I mean, like, it all depends on think of who you're talking to. Because let's say when Lanza was on our show a couple weeks ago. By the way, knocking on the door of the most downloaded show. So let's, uh, if yeah. you haven't downloaded that show with Joe Lanza, help your boys out. Because we're yeah. super competitive and we want to win. Let's uh, <laughs> let's pump let's pump those numbers up. Pump got those the, numbers, baby. Our our boss our boss has more downloads than us, so we got to beat right. them. Let's we got to win. <laughs> <laughs> we need to win. Um, yeah. So yeah, Warren called it, and I and I trust Warren. I'm not saying Dave's sources aren't right or anything. I'm just thinking. I think it all depends on who you talk to. Because like Joe Lanza said in our show a couple weeks ago, there is a punk, there is a camp that is pro punk, there is a camp that is pro bucks, and there is a much larger camp that just wants to go to work every day and doesn't mm. really care about all this. Right. So, I mean, like, you know what it sounds like to me, Mike? A work environment, not hostile or otherwise, just a work environment. And this is kind of what I got in trouble myself in in, uh, Voices of Wrestling for, because um, it's funny to me that there are people who spend hours of their personal day thinking about CM Punk and how much they hate him and voicing their opinion about him on multiple discord channels and on Twitter and all these places talking about how inferior it makes him that CM Punk makes them. And then they have the audacity to say that CM Punk should really let go of his anger toward hangman page. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That, that's the, like, that's the most I, hilarious. <laughs> I took, like I said, I don't think, I don't think Punk should for his own mental well being Should he probably let it go? Yeah, probably. But I mean, yeah. realistically, I don't think he has to like if he feel if he truly feels like that page was a dick which you know by all intents kind of was we don't know if that guy ever apologized so i mean like you don't have to let it go you don't have to say you know oh, i forgive you like it doesn't matter if they punch each other in the face or not like if you don't like a guy right you don't have to just suddenly like them because you guys had a verbal argument and you won mm-hmm. like i guarantee you if Bar- if your name comes up baron corbin's gonna say yeah fuck that guy like yeah like, yeah that's just you don't and the idea that the idea Lance always says that that CM Punk this is another Lance quote I'm quote him it's like he always said that that Punk holds other wrestlers to um, lengths that he himself cannot be held to and I agree with that I think he's right but I think mm-hmm. a lot of wrestling fans hold CM Punk specifically to turn to lengths that they can't themselves be held to like yeah. like I said all these people that really 
are bothered by this to the point where they talk about it all the time. And they say, I'm so sick of talking about punk. Now here's 27 tweets and posts about him. <laughs> I don't, I mean, like, aren't you doing the same thing? And at least he like knows this guy. That's his personal life. You're just a dude talking about this stuff on a internet because you have nothing better <clears throat> to do. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't... don't understand why anybody would have like an emotional reaction one way or the other look it ain't like he committed a hate crime right like like he he whooped up on the young bucks and he buried adam page in a promo if if he would have gotten fired i would have said yeah probably probably earned that one but he did he's back yeah Yeah, he he didn't and he's back it's time for everybody to move on would i recommend that punk let go of his anger absolutely but i'm not him I, i don't look and i get the feeling there's more to the story than we even know about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, like, they're, they're only releasing certain tidbits, and they're only releasing the tidbits that make themselves look good. Both sides, by the way. Um, so uh, before we move on, I just want to read what Meltzer said. This was on his interview with uh, John Pollock and Brandon Thurston. Great show, by the way, on Post Wrestling. Um, he said, there's a lot of divisiveness. It's so frustrating to me because I see it so closely, and I feel like it shouldn't be there. Uh, it's worse now than it's been. It hasn't gotten better right now. It's at a pretty bad point again. Um, and Warren Hayes said he talked to people that were in Chicago that all said that it was fine. Who was it in Chicago, JD? Who was it in Chicago? Oh, yeah, who know. was it in Chicago? The elite oh, oh, yeah. were the elite were not in Chicago, <laughs> actually. So yeah. draw yeah. draw and that then, line where you will. Yeah, so everybody seemed fine there. But the elite weren't in Chicago. Um, now, if the elite were in Chicago, maybe it would have been a different tone. Maybe that you know people that are friends with the Bucks probably wouldn't have been seen backstage hanging out with the uh, Punk and FTR because they wouldn't want to upset the Bucks, right? So, look, I, Punk is probably the most wrong, right, because of his promo and because he did throw fists. But he is not the only wrong person in this situation. There's a lot of blame to go around, and the fact that it's still going on is A, completely ridiculous, and B, a podcaster's dream. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to say one last thing about this, and then I'm out. Um, did you see the Michael Jordan documentary? The First Dance? Oh, The Most the Petty last Man Alive. Yes, yes, yeah, the yes exactly. The Most Petty Man Alive. And I think a lot of people talk about that, and they don't they see they see a guy like Michael Jordan, and they bought into like the image that McDonald's and Gatorade and Nike crafted for Michael Jordan, the dude from Space Jam. And I think a yeah. lot of people saw the real guy and were like shocked and appalled. Um, I was not because I've grown up and spent my life around elite level athletics, and to to achieve things that are um, seen as impossible by average people, you're not wired the way an average person is, right? Um, elite level athletes, a lot of them need to feel like they're fighting against something constantly. And if they don't have a rival, they build up a rival in their head because it's the only way they can keep going. And it's not like something you're conscious of doing. Like it's something you just do to, cause you feel it. Like, um, I feel that way in a lot of aspects. I, I remember a college coach called my dad and told him, don't let your son go to this college. It's the worst decision he'll do. And I got infuriated. And I'm like, I'm going to prove that guy wrong. I'm going to tell him as to his face that when I beat his guy, I'm going to tell him that he was wrong. And I never got the chance because that guy's program went under and I had a perfectly fine college career. So, I mean, like, <laughs> I I guess I just sympathize with the – not sympathize, but I kind of understand the mindset. And I'm not saying it's a 100% healthy mindset, but – it's an athlete mindset. It's the mindset of a type A that is remarkably driven. And I don't think a lot of like a lot of people can really relate to that because they've never really been in those kind of situations. And punk is wired a little bit like that, like to have that feel like you feel like the world is against you all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can take any um any perceived slight to you personally and hold on to it, right? Because some people need that to achieve greatness they really do like they need to fight everything has to be a fight everything has to be a competition and normal people aren't wired like that right i think that a lot of times sports mentality creeps into wrestling and wrestling fans aren't sports fans traditionally so sometimes they hear these things and they're like what how huh like whenever wrestlers act like athletes or act like jerks they just i can't handle this i can't handle this they're acting they're acting like this is toxic masculinity i'm not gonna stand for it exactly because sports there's a lot of toxic masculinity in sports they're just awesome yeah yeah i mean like 
to be a high level athlete, you can't be a happy person, really. When you are yeah. happy, it's time to walk away because you have nothing left to fight for. Right. And I don't mm -hmm. think people get that. Like, I think people think that athletes are just driven by money and success and don't really understand the competitive mindset or what it takes to put yourself into the competitive mindset. So they tend to, they don't, they can't empathize with being a dick, quite frankly. Yeah. Well, it's because they're, and they're saying, well, I'm not a dick. Chances are you're probably a dick, by the way. But just listen, for, for example, like, oh, well, I'm not a dick. Well, then he shouldn't be a dick either. Look, you are setting this expectations for this complete stranger that you've never met before. And you're putting this guy on a pedestal and you're telling him that he has to adhere to your personal expectations that you provided to him that he doesn't even know about. And then if he doesn't meet those expectations, now you hate this person. So you're going to stay online all day and insult them. You're the fucking person that you need to be, that needs to get a little bit of help here. Now, I mean, CM Punk should get some help too, but oh, oh, no doubt. No like, doubt. What are we talking about? Why why does this affect people so much? So we're like, well, I just want to see CM Punk on my TV. Well, guess what? Yeah, I guarantee you watched Collision, and it was awesome because it, it, it had great ratings, right? Um, uh, it, it did for a Saturday night show. It did pretty oh, good. Oh, yeah. It killed it. But you're right. Every high-level athlete should be seeing some type of psychologist or a sports psychologist because trying to keep the competitive brain in line with the human brain is very difficult, right? Yeah. It's stuff that needs work, and if, it, if not worked on, one can certainly uh, fall down into some uh, some bad places. Guilty as charged of that. So you need to work on yourself. But I mean, at the same time, this idea that that you know you can't you can't understand how this how someone could think like this. It just I don't know. It, it's funny to me. Like it's like, do you not watch sports? Like do you not see how every athlete in every other sport acts? Like every team in America has a CM Punk on it, right? Yes. It's a cliche in regular sports, but no, but a lot of wrestling fans don't watch regular sports. So it like, it's so foreign to them. I just, I find the whole thing amusing. Well, they look at these guys like fictional characters almost. And because they we tell them they are right. Cause yeah. that's like, that's what we've told ourselves. Like Vince McMahon for the last 30 years, like, well, this isn't real. You know, these guys are playing characters, da, 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 da. but wrestling is a lot more in Bret Hart said it best in, in the wrestling with shadows documentary. It's a lot more real than people think. Mm -hmm. right yeah absolutely man well i i the last thing i wanted to do was to start um with a cm punk topic and use yeah, another we, cm punk thumbnail for youtube but hey but we, we, keep do we do good we, numbers with that we do good numbers with the punk stuff <laughs> <laughs> they keep giving me content so i gotta keep doing it um speaking of punk um cm punk versus kojima was announced for forbidden door instead of punk versus kenta and this is interesting because we had heard uh, two weeks ago that Punk versus Kenta was um, was likely. Let's just say likely. Um, and then I think Sean Ross Sapp even – I think it was Sapp put it out uh, on Fightful Select that it was not only likely that it was happening. And then the whole thing fell through, and then Punk sent his uh, media surrogates – he's got some friends in the media – and sent him out to convince everyone that he was on board the whole time and that it was Kenta who didn't want the match. Uh, JD, what do you think about that? I think Punk knows how to work the media. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think he's really yeah. good at it. Um, yeah. That being said, we don't mean like... When you're doing a show like Forbidden Door, there's so much politics that has to go involved, right? And when you're dealing with yeah. two people who famously don't like each other very much, I think in Tony Khan's mind, it's a good match. CM Punk versus Kenta, wrestling fans will be into it. You really think Kenta wanted to do a job to CM Punk? No, no. Nope. You really think CM Punk wanted to do a job to Kenta? Would it make any sense? Like, do you think Kenta and CM Punk in 2023 can have a good match? See, Kenta didn't have a ton of good matches these days. He no. he had a really good one with Alexander and with um with the Eddie Edwards this year. But man, it takes it takes guys like that that are willing to go all out to have a really good match with Kenta. You got to bring that out of Kenta. Yeah, and um, because we see a lot more Kenta's a character these days. Like when we think yeah. of Kenta, we think of the Noah guy from twenty, oh, like twenty ten, right? You think of mm -hmm. that guy. That ain't him anymore, man. No, like, and Too I think Punk, they, from yes, and from what we heard, Punk thought the same thing. And quite frankly, we don't know what Punk is in this case. But you know who's a pretty good matchup for him? Satoshi Kojima, a guy who yeah. gets by and a lot of you know who's really good in his fifties. But who kind of like Minoru Suzuki has mm. figured out a way to have a you know 
a low impact, really good match that people need up, right? Yeah. And I, I see I see that some people are disappointed in the Ko- Kojima match. And I, I get it because Kojima was never popular in the States, right? He never really crossed over and became a star here. Not in the way that, you know, Okada, Tanahashi, Naito. Different um, era. And di- different era. But, you know, Minoru Suzuki is definitely popular here in the States um, because of his, you know, his last few years in New Japan, when New Japan mm-hmm. really started to to make its mark in in, uh, in the United States. So I, I understand why people are a little bit disappointed in Kojima. Um, but here here's what I'm going to say to that. CM Punk is AEW's top star. Should he have had a bigger New Japan star? Probably, but I'm not that worried about it because guess what the main event is? It's uh, Brian fucking Danielson versus Okada. Guess what the co-main event is? Will Osprey and Kenny fucking Omega. Everything else doesn't matter, right? If if you want, to, we're gonna have a forbidden door next year. You want to do Punk versus Okada next year? Let's do it. But we already have a, a show set. I don't with those top two matches. Look, we're everyone's bitching about Jungle Boy and Sonata. Who cares about Jungle Boy and Sonata? Just skip the I match. Don't. I'm going to. Right, I, I can't watch live because of the time that it comes on. So when I watch it, I'm gonna skip the match because I don't care about it. But I'm not mad that it's existing because guess what? The main event and the co-main event are so fucking beyond awesome. That's all you really need. Everything else can just be mixed tag matches. I don't care. So kind of what it was last year. Here's the truth. Yeah. The CM we didn't think CM Punk was gonna be on the show anyway. So whatever right. he does is just gravy because it's not selling the show. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter if it was just announced in a graphic. It doesn't matter if it's a great match. It's an undercard match. It really doesn't matter. He's working with Kojima. And I love Satoshi Kojima. Me, me too. Big yeah. fan of Satoshi Kojima. But we all know what it's gonna be. You know, Punk's gonna take some machine gun chops, they're gonna be some lariats, right? At the end mm-hmm. of the day. Punk's going over. Kojima knows his role. Kojima spent most of his time in all Japan and Noah lately. Yeah. Right? Like, it's fine. It doesn't, it does this is not a drawing match on the show. No. And and look, we gotta cut look, we gotta cut TK some slack. He was trying to make the Kenta match. And while he was trying to make the Kenta match, he made all these other matches, right? Mm-hmm. All these other awesome matches that he made. Okay, Sonata, Jungle Boy aside, that one sucks, but every other match, pretty cool. Right? Would I rather see CM Punk versus Tanahashi than MJF versus Tanahashi? Yes, I, I personally would. I think that was a bigger match than MJF versus Tanahashi, despite the fact that MJF has the title. But that match was already made, and they were trying to make the Kenta match because you had the GTS versus GTS. That's a big story, right? But the match didn't get made. So you throw in Kojima. Kojima's awesome, right? He's not a big star, but he's awesome. But guess what? It doesn't matter because the show is going to be awesome no matter what. So why are everybody complaining? You know who's going to cheer for Kojima? The AEW audience, who knows who yeah. he is. He's been on the show before. He fought Moxley two years ago and all yeah. out, right? Like, we know these kids. Like, we know this guy. He's got accrued interest with the company. It just doesn't matter. Like, this idea that every match on the show needs to be built up and needs to have an in-depth story is stupid. Uh, it don't. Undercard no. matches don't matter. Like, they don't matter. The draw is going to be Okada and Danielson and Osprey yeah. and Omega. That's it. That's what we need. That's the show. Everything else yeah. is just like cranberry sauce. Well, and that's and that's what we got last year. And last year was the show of the year. Yes, right? it was. And this one on this one on paper blows that one away. Yes, it does. Like, I, I don't even think it's close. No, I agree. I was at. I got to go to Dynamite last night. Really good taping. I enjoyed it a lot. And like, I keep looking at the Morgan again. Like, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. Yeah. Like. I'll ruin it. Like we're gonna get filthy Tom and Adam Cole. That's gonna be good. Spoiler like I'm very I don't care. Spoiler, <laughs> who cares? Like this is it's gonna be a really good show. Like I can't I, I get I get every time AEW has a pay-per-view, every cycle we get wrapped up in this. Oh my god, they didn't develop the undercard. Who cares? If the main event is good. We're going to go. Now, for the last show, that was a problem because the build for the main event kind of sucked. Fortunately, yeah. the real main event kind of saved the day, right? Mm-hmm. The BCC uh, elite stuff was good. World title, yep. mm, not so good. And like we joke about Sonata and Jungle Boy, my opinion, it's the same guy. It's the same yeah. guy. You can tell me that, that Sonata's turned a corner in New Japan. I'm going to look at like the Dominion number and I'm going to say it sold 7,000 tickets. Before the pandemic with Okada, they sold 12. Same arena. That's all I got to say on that. 
Like they're doing, they're trying something with Sonata. I respect I, it, yeah. but he's not, he's not, like I said, he's not lighting the world on fire and he's not going to, he doesn't matter in the States. So you put him with a guy who's very similar, really good in the ring. Not a lot of charisma jungle or mm-hmm. Jack Perry, right? Will the match be good? Yeah. The match is kind of pretty good, but it doesn't yeah. have to be great. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. No, no, it, do, it doesn't matter. Uh, I think I think last week I said it was probably the worst IWGP title match in history as far as like the of importance. Um, but uh, no, uh, evil Joe, had Joe, the Joe, Evil's Joe, had Joe the didn't, title. Joe then responded that evil was the champion for a yeah. little bit, and I was like, oh, okay, I was yeah, correct. He's, he's, so, he's right. He's right. So, evil. <laughs> yeah, I, I get I get into like recency bias uh, sometimes, but um, oh, we all do. But We're yeah, all guilty. Yeah, that. but Forbidden Door looks awesome. Everybody just have fun. Oh my gosh, relax. Um, speaking of having fun, uh, Vince McMahon is fully back. A ricochet confirmed to Sporf. Have you ever heard of Sporf? I, I thought I, you I, spelled I, something. I thought you spelled something wrong in the notes. I was going to ask you. I, I was going to pick on you and ask what Sporf was. That's a person. I I looked at this several times, and it's Sporf. That's the website. I don't know. They just got a good publicity for me because S P O R F. I I don't know what the hell this is, but Ricochet talked to them, and I don't know. They must have paid him. Because look at this, I'm, I'm like, why is Ricochet here. talking to Sporf? What the hell is Sporf? Sporf? But anyway, Ricochet spilling the beans here. He said Vince is still involved, and Vince is still talked to. He's still Sporf someone has, that everyone looks to. Sporf has 1.3 million followers on Twitter. It's us, apparently. I've never heard it. Okay, me neither. Uh, yeah, he's still uh, he's still someone that everybody looks to, especially with creative. So he's got his fingers in everything too. I think Triple H and everybody in creative is just trying to do the best they can and bringing out the best in who they have. Um, so yeah, he basically confirmed what we already knew, but the WWE was not talking about uh, that Vince McMahon is back, fully invested into creative. So I'm on Sports Twitter and everything is a soccer tweet. So I'm thinking it's probably big uh, in the UK, in the UK and, and in Europe, which is as uh, you know, selfish, self-centered Americans, we wouldn't know anything about that. So yeah, you know, I'll take the L on not knowing about Sporf. But again, you know who else told us that Vince McMahon was basically running things in creative again? Our guy from WWE, the Black Mask. Yeah. Yep. You know, but I don't know. Further, um, further validating his credentials, by the way. Every every match on Raw this week was like two minutes long. So, uh, yeah. who does that sound like? <laughs> yeah, v- Vince McMahon and Vince Russo, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, you got to learn it from somewhere. <laughs> so, I mean, like, again, this is, I don't know why anybody, I mean, I'm sure that that Hunter, Paul, whatever you want to call him, is the guy in the, you know, doing the grind work. But Vince is still, like, the editor, right? He's still the guy making all the choices. So, it is what it is, man. This is just kind of where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. Shocking that the owner of the company is back working for the company. Yeah. Well, and then Hausman's like, oh, if he keeps up trying to run that company, he'll, he's going to get himself into trouble. And I'm like, with who? Ari Emanuel? No. Yeah. Ari, Ari bought the or merged with the company because he was still there. Like if, if Vince was completely gone, he might not have actually done he, that. He's going to piss off that board that voted unanimously to bring him back in. Like, <laughs> Hausman's like, a nerd. Yeah, not friends with Cole Cabana though, as we've litigated on this show numerous times. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I read some of these things, and I'm just like, people not aware how chains of commands and companies work. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so speaking of nerd, um, my nerd cousin Joe, he was on last week, <laughs> and and he actually looked up some statistical analysis last week, um, and he was comparing Hook to uh, Tiffany Stratton because it's been out that WWE is interested in Hulk I, when Hulk's I checked up, out right? completely when he was doing this. Continue. Yeah, so he actually looked up that uh, how many matches Hook has had in comparison to Tiffany Stratton since yeah. the the two of the both of them has started and Tiffany Stratton's actually ahead um, and has actually improved. I don't know. I've never seen a Tiffany Stratton match, but he was just like he was like maybe Hook could use a change of scenery because he doesn't really wrestle all that often. Um, or AEW needs to start giving him some more matches. So that's how it started. So I texted him today, and I was just like, hey, you know, like that was something different. Uh, JD and I don't really look up like cage match to see who has what and what's going on. Like, you got any weird stats? And he goes, well, I actually just popped these into the Discord the other day uh, and pissed a few people off. Would you like them? And I said, uh, yeah. piss people off? Absolutely. Yeah. Count me in. We're in. Um, so there's been this conversation going on on multiple Discords and all over Twitter. Um, about uh, Roman Reigns getting his 1,000 days as champion, right? 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are stating, well, it's not that big of a deal because he hasn't really defended the title all that often. That 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 is an argument that has been against his 1,000 days as champion. Um, between Roman Reigns, JD, between Roman Reigns and MJF, um, who do you think has the uh, most defenses um, uh, on average? Who do you, during their title reign, who has uh, most defenses on average? On average of what? Like... On average, per days. So from the day oh, that they Roman. won the title to now, Roman, on on average, Roman. yeah. So these were these have been AEW fans trying to shit on Roman Reigns' uh, title reign, right? So Roman Reigns has and house shows. Um, you, I mean, like even Roman yeah. works a handful of house shows, but still more than MJF, yeah. whose gimmick is that he doesn't wrestle. Yes. So Roman Reigns has fifty defenses, uh, including house shows. I think it was a little less, not counting house shows, because he doesn't do that in many house shows. Right. Um, he has one defense every twenty-one days and eight title defenses in his first two hundred and fifteen days as champion, um, and um, which was uh, one defense every twenty-seven days. Versus um, uh, MJF, who has three defenses in his first two hundred and fifteen days, which is a total of one every seventy-two days. His fourth defense will be at uh, Forbidden Door, which will be four defenses in 218 days, um, for a grand total of one every 55 days. Now, Roman Reigns has had five defenses since MJF had won the title in November, and um, which would put him over MJF, who has only had three defenses since November. So that is uh, Joe's stat nerd stat stuff of the week. I feel like I'm taking the SAT again. Um <laughs> So I say all that to say Roman Reigns is a more fighting champion than MJF and the IWGP champion, which we didn't look that up. We already know that uh, he defended it more than um, obviously more than Sonata, but, but Okada previous. So, um, yeah, okay. I mean, like both. I mean, like the story on both shows, both shows, is that the yeah. champion doesn't defend the title very much, right? Right. So yeah. Um, and WWE okay. went so far as to create a new world title because their their current world title, who is technically the most fighting champion in the world in right now, in, any, in professional wrestling, like he defends it more than anybody. anybody. But they still created a second world title um, because they, we, he wouldn't defend enough. To say that our champion doesn't come to work often enough, so we had to create a new belt. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I. Okay, I got, I got, I got yeah. nothing else. I'm more interested in within the Tiffany Stratton hook conversation because yeah. you, um, I very rarely watch NXT, but I did I, get I to see, I did get to see Tiffany Stratton deliver her dialogue on NXT last week, where she, I mean, it's fucking awful, dude. Like, is it better promo sit- than Hook? Hook doesn't cut a promo. Exactly. No, that's <laughs> so what makes it him. No, because no, because he doesn't speak. <laughs> right, and he's more over because of that. Like, yeah. that's, I mean, like. The problem I think with he's WWE, more over because of his hair, honestly. But. The hair is a big part of it. Like, there's yeah. a Cook has an ambiance to him. Should he work more? Yes. I was of the mind that he was a year ago that they were kind of pushing him too fast because, like, yeah. there would be expectations on him, right? Then he wouldn't, he yeah. couldn't possibly live up to because he's not working up. The problem with NXT is everybody there is green and very few people work with people better than them to get better. So, in NXT, mm-hmm. you get really good at doing the rehearsed matches, right? Yeah. And then it's a struggle when you get out of NXT. You've seen it a million times with them transitioning the main roster, and a lot of them struggle. So in NXT, you don't really learn how to work, right? You learn how to memorize, and that's what Tiffany Stratton is doing, is memorizing things. So, I mean, you practice their matches over and over. Again, there's nothing wrong with practicing your matches. That is something that Randy Savage did. So, I mean, like, it's fine. It's a it's a method of things. Yeah, but and- – yeah, and I think there, that was the only the comparison um, was because they started at the same time, but she's had a lot more matches. That's, that was his only point. Are you going to tell me uh, Tiffany Stratton is better than Hook? I don't and know because I haven't seen a Tiffany Stratton. I, I don't I think he was saying that. I don't think he was saying that either. I think he was just saying that she's I'm more experienced than him at this point because she's actually had more matches than he no, does. I do agree that they need to, especially the younger talent, there needs to have more matches. The problem yeah. with the AEW model is there's not enough opportunity for them to get matches. And I've said it in this show, I, I think. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I call bullshit on that because How? there are opportunity because they get to work indies. Oh, yeah. I most, was, of them, you, most of them choose not to. Yeah. Took the words out of my mouth. I agree with that. Yeah. And I think Hook is a guy who could be working indies, but doesn't because of the aura, right? Yeah. And I think that doesn't really help him. But I also don't think you get a lot better professional wrestling in a warehouse, right? No. 
But I also think you don't get better at anything if you're not, not doing, doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but you know, they got like even if he's not wrestling on TV, he should be wrestling dark oh, matches every time they have an event. I agree. Um, now, I, I, I I'm not saying that he needs to to go over there. I think another comparison would be Dominic Mysterio because that was the whole debate, like who's better, Hook or Dominic. I would say Dominic's better than Hook at this point. Um, just as, as a character, he's more over. He's got more in-ring skills at this point. Uh, Hook only does a couple of things, which is fine because he's only had 35 matches, so he shouldn't be doing a Dominic ton of stuff. Is, okay, Dominic is in a position to be more over, though, than Hook yes. is. Like, the AEW yeah. has smartly pulled back. Well, Dominic Mysterio has been on television every week for four years, mm-hmm. right? AEW has slow-rolled Hook out more so man, than has Dominic. It been, has it been four years for Dominic? 2019, man, yeah. Really? I, yeah. Well, man, I think I guess I only remember him from the last two years. No, oh, he's been there. He was there in the, the do we're three years out of pandemic now. Those oh, pandemic okay. shows were three years Fuck, ago. Fucking time flies, man. Time Crazy. does fly when you're bored. Like that's right. That's, yeah. But that's the thing though, is like Dominic is on TV every week. And let's be people say he's over, he's over, he's over. Like they leak you. Like those like I know Brian and David, the only people who don't like talking about it, but I mean they pipe those they pipe those booze in and it works. It leads the yeah. crowd along. The guy gets great reactions. He's really good at being this role. I will say that, yes, hundred percent. But I mean, like, they're in a different place in their career, right? Dominic's they, also they, a lot older than Hook. Is he? Yeah. Hang on. Let me pull yeah. this up. I, dude, I, I, I didn't look any of this stuff up. I just thought because they're two Nepo babies, like uh, people were. They are Nepo them. babies. Yeah. Um, Mysterio. How, how old is this? How old is this character? Looking Prison this Dom. Yeah, I went to Wikipedia and that turned out to be the wrong place to go. So <laughs> continue the show. I'll have these stats in a moment. Yeah. Well, here, let's, yeah, let's, let's move on. JD will pop back in. Um, so Moose. Our boy Moose, we interviewed him a couple years ago, and he lied to our faces to about us. his contract with Impact. He is actually he took to Twitter to announce that he is in fact re-signed with Impact. He cited just kind of comfort and familiarity, um, and you know liking where he works. I don't think he brought up the fact that I don't think anybody else was going to hire him. Uh, that may or may not be true, but uh, this go around, I did not hear any WWE rumors like I heard last time. But um, and I think those rumors might have just been leaked by him. To be honest with you. They try to improve his stock and impact and get a little bit more money out of them. But this this go round, it didn't really seem like there was a whole lot of fight. Like it seemed like this is where he wanted to stay the whole time. He actually even tweeted last week. He did one of those notes app things saying something like, you know, you know, big bright lights and big crowds and all this stuff is important, but familiarity and friendships and family is also important. So I think impact's the perfect place for most. Oh, I do too. We said it a hundred times on the show. Uh Dom twenty six, hook twenty three. Oh well, there you go. He's uh, got him by three years, and he's been wrestling a little bit longer too. Well, he, and he was he was trained by Storm, and he went to uh, he did some training with a lot of different camps too. Dominic and Hook Mysterio's. Hook came out of college, Hook came out of being a college athlete, so I mean yeah. Hook got a little bit of later start. So I don't think it's a completely fair comparison, but it's an interesting yeah. comparison because I think the two of them have interesting career trajectories. Um, you think Taz brings him to AEW to WWE, or do you think Taz I, is trying to get a better deal for the kid? I think Taz is trying to get a better deal for the kid. That being said, I think that WWE would like to have him. And I think they oh, would I like to have that. Taz. I, I think they would like to have Taz back. They tried to get him before, but Taz uh, ended up going with uh, AEW. So I, I think that if Taz could get a good deal for his son, I think Taz would absolutely go with him if he could. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the, the nature of their deals are, um, but I, I think that WWE would be smart to get a guy like Hook. He's, you know, he's a little bit on the small side for them, but he's, you know, again, a college athlete. Uh, he was what, a lacrosse guy in, in college and a uh, very good athlete. People like him. Um, he's got, he does have that cool aura about him. The I kind of, I lost interest in him about a year and a half ago, you know, but a I lot of people like still him. like him. Yeah. I'm curious to see because I'm calling again. I'll, oh, um, when you watch Ramp, if you watch Rampage, I should actually Rampage is not that bad this week because having been there, uh, Jungle Boy and Sonata, boy, did the, or it's Jungle Boy and Dookie, excuse me, Dookie, boy, did yeah. that Chicago crowd turn on Jungle Boy really quick? Yeah, really, really quick. Dookie was getting cheered. You know, most of the crowd really was not like terribly familiar with Dookie, right? Because Dookie's kind of the fifth dude in just five guys, just yeah. five guys. Like, most Great creative name. stable name. Yeah, it's just yeah. like that. Um, the Jungle Boy totally turned on. Like that heel turn is coming. So I assume they are going to see a Jungle Boy hook 
feud at some point. So curious to see what that does for both guys. You know, I think it's a make or break yeah. moment for uh, for old Jack Perry. Curious to see what it does for Hook. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with the John Morrison. He is signed with AEW. He's using the name Johnny TV. What the fuck? That's not official yet. Did they call him that? I mean, I didn't hear the. I did not hear that. Yeah, you were there. They didn't call him anything. We just everyone knew. Oh, everybody I, went, "Hey, that's Morrison." Like that's what everybody. Yeah. He's always no. He's John Morrison, right? They throw yeah. a million nicknames <laughs> to the guy, but Morrison is the one that sticks because it's yeah. a real name. Like, and it was. I actually, man, I don't know how it's going to come across on TV. And I, I put this in our Discord. I'm like, either Harley Cameron is natural heel heat. Because someone's like, oh, the crowd just shit all over this. And I'm like, I don't think they shit all over. Because the second she showed up, the booze just boom immediately. And it was like Dom level booze, which I said yeah. we're led with. We are led. These might have been led too. I have no idea. But I mean, like she was getting booed before they did anything. And it got, I mean, it got over with the crowd. They were reacting to everything. Like, like Bowen said he was gay. The crowd was cheering. And like everything got a, everything got a big reaction. And then Morrison pulled off the mask and, and was like, holy shit, John Morrison. So yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with them, which is probably not much, but yeah, I, I mean, and this is like Tony Khan. Do you really need to sign everybody that was on Raw, right? Like, and I like Morrison, but he's like you know in his early forties now. He hasn't really done much lately. They had him before, uh, good good wrestler, but they got so many guys on the card that are so many guys on the roster that can't get a TV spot, and they're bringing in another kind of like like. Eight, like old at this point, even though he's in still really good shape, like an old guy that's probably never going to do much with them. Like, I don't know. I just seem like a, a curious signing to me um, to, to bring this guy in, especially if they're putting him with QT Marshall, which is, he's been an utter failure. Like, I, I don't know. I just get like, it's death from the beginning, you know, is QT just, a failure or does he do what they want him to do? He's doing what, you know, so he personally is not a failure, right? Cause he's doing his job the way that they ask him to do it. I think mm-hmm. the whole thing sucks. That's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And I th- and I think they 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 tanked uh, not tanked but they derailed Hobbs's career by starting ah. him with QT. So I, I I and and so I got a resentment there because I'm a big fan of Hobbs. So I'm curious to see if they can rehab Hobbs with this tournament. Um, I think QT does what he's asked to do and and is fine doing this. But I mean, like that said, I think there's zero expectations on John Morrison because, quite frankly, he's John Morrison. Like he's a guy who's never really been what a lot of people thought he could be. Right. Yeah. He's just another mid card guy, and like it's fine. He's a guy that is probably gonna you know wind up you know putting over the uh the the um the scissor guys uh the the, the acclaimed right yeah. it's fine like who cares like you need yeah, guys it, to lose it, we just lost fuego oh yeah <laughs> poor fuego um it, you know it was just like it's like man you guys got so many people and you bring in that they're on tv and you bring in more i mean it's fine i'm just like ah it's just like a neither here nor there like it's not really a guy that they need you know, but they just they just brought him like people like the guys. So they brought him in. What are you gonna do? I mean, like if you got guys that you can that can put over people that are recognizable, doesn't that have more value than having guys that aren't recognizable putting over? Be like, who would you rather have, John Morrison or Joey Janela? Well, no, I don't want think they need to bring in anybody else for that position. They got plenty of guys for that position that that they can just elevate. You know, they could put Fine. on TV. They're not. That's, ele- just, that's just my thing. <laughs> Morrison's not there to be elevated. He's there to elevate. No. Well, that they could put him in a position to be putting people over, right? They have guys on the roster already that 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 aren't on TV at all. That's that's just all I'm saying. Yeah, but that's the thing though is you bring in someone new to elevate people. It's something new on your TV. If you have a guy who's been there for three years and never wins, what value does he have? Man, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't, like if Rick Garrison that... goes out there and loses matches, I mean, doesn't having John Morrison lose matches mean more? No, <laughs> just I just don't see much in John Morrison and AEW. Uh, I don't. Either, and he was a guy that. He was the guy that I advocated for Impact to get, but Impact's a small pond, and they could use a guy like him, right? Yeah, but he don't want to be there. Yeah, well, yeah, well, they exactly right. He would rather be doing you know jobs on Rampage than being fucking Impact, obviously. That's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. what does that say for that spot? Well, I'm just, like, well, I'm know? just saying that that even though like I advocated for him to go to Impact, I have a different standard for Impact than I have for AEW. I'm oh, just, I agree. You know, it was just, it was like the Tony Nese signing. It's like, do you guys really fucking need Tony Nese? Like, he's a good little wrestler. Who cares? Right. But they, they, you know, they just brought him in like fresh off of WWE. I don't know. It just seemed weird to me to bring. So, like, and it's funny. Like, I don't mind them having guys because I watched, okay, they shot a Ring of Honor match last night that um, I'm never going to get to watch live because I don't have to watch it on tape because I don't have Honor Club. But it was um, 
it was uh, uh, Commander Vikingo and the Lucha Brothers against Shane Taylor, the Work Horseman, and El Gringo Loco. And it ruled because you yeah. had four guys in there who are good, who are sitting there just catching these crazy luchadors. And I'd rather have your I'd rather have your underneath guys be like guys that are good, right? As opposed to guys who aren't good who can maybe get people hurt, you know, like back when they did yeah. have your Jimmy Havocs and Joey Janelles and stuff like that. Like I just I see more value in an Anthony Hendry having some an occasional TV spot than someone who's been on that roster for four years who people are going to get really upset about when they eventually get let go, but then you never see them, right? Like, like again, how's between did Fuego get a fair shot? Yeah, he got a fair shot. He got a contract and he, I'm sorry, he was Fuego del Sol. Like, yeah, I, are people mad about the Fuego thing? I missed that. I have not been engaging uh, today. People I've, been, I've been smart. Working. Smart, yeah. Like people got to. My kid's so sick, so I've done nothing for the last three days. Yeah. Came home with the bug from Florida. So I mean, like, yeah, people. Every time someone loses a job, I think it's sad. People lose their job. I get it, but I mean, like, yes. it's pro wrestling, man. Like, did Fuego need to be signed? I mean, he was there because Cody liked him, and then yeah. he lost his advocates. I mean, I don't know. It is what it is. What I, I would, if this is the grand scheme of things, I would rather see John Morrison on my TV than Fuego Del Sol. Well, uh, yeah, that goes without saying. So, um, so, so there's two things you wanted to talk about. Um, David Zaslav continues to ruin Warner Brothers Discovery. He's offloaded. People are saying he might offload Turner Classic Movies. I don't know. He gutted the he gutted the crew there. I know he's selling off 500 million dollars worth of uh, with worth of movie rights and music rights and all kinds of assets. Uh, the Flash just shit the bed. Um, everybody's pretty excited about that. Um, I'm part of the reason because I'm not going to go see it in theater. I'm just waiting for it to come available. Um, so what's going on with this David Zasloff guy? One, worst, one Bill Phil. He's the worst CEO of a major media company right now. Since since the merger, the Warner Discovery stock has plummeted, right? Wow. Like they have not made a lot of great moves. He is like they've been in cost-cutting mode for the last couple of years, which is why I was really surprised with the one – the joking of the one bill Phil thing, but I mean like the $1 billion rumor I was very surprised about to begin with, but again, they are a performer and they, they seem to take care of their discovery stuff. You know, um, he does not have a love of film, right? So like hit the vision for HBO max has not lived at the prominent to, to what it was promised to be under Zaslav. Cause quite frankly, quite frankly, as we talked about with, um, with WD means like that people don't watch old movies on these streaming apps. Like, I do, but I mean, like, not often, right? I think that's the thing is like people thought, like, oh, if you have all this stuff, people will just go back and watch it whenever, and it becomes more of a, hey, you watch it on occasion, you know? Yeah. And it's hard to make money there. And Zaslov, one thing he does do is he's selling stuff, like, and it, you're leasing, right? I imagine maybe he'll lease out. I don't, I'm curious to see because it's all speculatory right now with what he's going to do with the classic library, that the Turner library, basically. Um, they're selling stuff to Netflix right now. They're talking about selling HBO shows taking them off of Max and selling them to Netflix for a while. And then when this would like, like was done for the ex entire existence of TV. Cause like the TV model for years, I'll, I'll educate you in this, Mike was that you wanted to get a run of a hundred episodes. Cause when it reached a mm -hmm. hundred episodes, you went into syndication and then you could sell your show into syndication. And that, that was great for actors. Cause then you would get royalties and that stuff for years. The friends, people don't have to do anything for the rest of their lives because their stuff is constantly going to be in syndication forever. Same with Seinfeld. So I mean, like those kind of shows, like syndication was the key. And a lot of stuff, HBO shows typically are too uh, short to go into syndication traditionally, but there's enough value accrued in them where they could be licensed to Netflix and stuff like that. So Zaslav is smart in that he thinks there's more value in leasing out their content than keeping the hub of it on Max, right? However, a lot of his decisions, like they put a lot of money into the Flash, which I enjoyed. It was messy as all hell. If you want to hear my reviews, you can go to Superhero Speak podcast and listen to that. Um, good movie, but they invested a lot of money in it and had a lot of problems with the star Ezra Miller, and it it wound up between the bad movies they've released and the problems with this guy, the return of Michael Keaton wasn't enough. So it's another big blow. Like they've been trying, again, Marvel makes money hand over fist. They don't even make good movies anymore. They just keep releasing Marvel stuff. People keep going to it. DC can't freaking get a win, right? That's four failures in a row, right? You had Wonder Woman was a failure. You had The Birds of Prey was a failure. You had Black um, Adam, Black Adam, Black Adam. failure. Yep. Shazam, the new Shazam movie failure. All these movies are underperforming majorly. And they had a lot of hope in The Flash, 
and again i liked it but i mean it was super messy so the fact that that's underperforming now is not good because this is all money they're spending and nothing is coming back they needed a hit they needed a win and they did not get it so it's not good and i'll be to be honest i will be surprised if david zasloff is the ceo within a year because at some point you got to start showing something and they really aren't so ceos that that don't win don't have long life don't have long life expectancies so i mean that's just what i'm feeling i mean that's some of the talk in some of the entertainment circles is how much longer does this guy have? And this, again, this is the dude who controls AEW's future. And this, mm-hmm. from what we hear, this is the guy you want controlling it because he's a fan. If they have a new CEO, who knows how that goes, right? I don't know, man. I'm not. And again, from my, from my comic and entertainment stuff to hear, I don't like where Warner discovery is going right now. I don't. It doesn't look good. They're just hemorrhaging money. The stock's dropping. They're selling off a lot of the content to try to recoup some of the shit that they lost. It's a whole mess. The merger with uh, Discovery and HBO Max has not really gone well, although I am using it now. Um, I watched Expedition Unknown on it last night, so that was kind of cool. But um, um, So one, one last thing. Uh, Spider-Man movies that don't have Spider-Man. What's this all about? Dude, so they got another one, right? They released this uh, Craven the Hunter movie. Right, that's coming out. Aaron Taylor Johnson. He was in one of the X Men movies. He was one of the Quicksilvers. I can't remember. He was one of the Quicksilvers. I can't remember which one. He has zero charisma, zero personality. He is playing a character called Craven the Hunter, who the greatest thing the character. Are you familiar with Craven the Hunter, Mike? Yeah, you explained it to me a few weeks ago. Yeah. Did I explain it to you a few weeks ago? Okay. Yeah, he was a Russian guy and he was yeah. hunting Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah. Best thing he ever did was die. Yeah. Dead serious. The best story the man ever came out with was the comic where he killed himself. Right. And now we're making a movie on it where apparently he gets lion power. He gets bit by a radioactive lion and gains lion powers <laughs> to hunt Russell Crowe for reasons. Like yeah. Sony keeps making these Spider-Man movies without Spider-Man and they're all terrible. Right, because now we've had two Venom movies, which are the crown jewel of this. I we I didn't watch Venom, the either Venom movie, by the way. Neither did I. And I I like these things. I don't watch either of them. They look terrible. Morbius is a joke, right? It's a meme. Sony thought they had something with it and re-released it, and then it failed again. So I mean they're Their way of reading the audience is terrible. They thought that people actually wanted to see this Morbius movie. No. And they're going to put out another one. And now they just announced finally that they're going to cancel the El Muerto movie. The El Muerto movie was to star uh, WWE legend Bad Bunny as a Mexican professional wrestler, a luchador who is an enemy of Spider-Man. Ask me what I know about El Muerto. What do you know about El Muerto? Not a goddamn thing. (laughs) He's been in maybe a handful of issues. Like this is where Sony is coming is come is getting to. They're finding any random Spider-Man villain to make a movie with because they can't make Spider-Man movies right now. Because they had that deal with Marvel because they had screwed themselves and they made the amazing Spider-Man 2. And Marvel said, Well, we'll get it back, but we want we want to have the character in our movies. And they said, Okay. And now they're making money with the Spider-Man movies and the animation is great. Spider have you seen Spider-Verse yet? Uh, I, I have it in my queue. I have not watched oh, it. Yet. So it's so good. It's excellent. It's I like I like excellent. I like the first one. I like it's the first better. one a lot. Yeah, I think oh, it's really? better than the first one. Oh, I really good. like this one. I, I really like this one. Um, but yeah, they're live action Spider-Man. They can't make a live action Spider-Man movie, so they have to make all these Spider adjacent movies. And the reason <laughs> I want to talk about this is because you know Bad Bunny is now a professional wrestling superstar and legend, and now um, his his big turn as El Muerto the Spider-Man villain of maybe three or four issues um, is now not going to happen. And as, as inept as David Zaslav is, the people at Sony, when it comes to Spider-Man managed to make it even more interesting than that. It's like, how do you fuck up the Spider-Man universe? I don't get it, but they've done it it multiple times. They've done it multiple. They had, they had Peter slap MJ in the old Spider-Man movies from 15 years ago. Not something you want to see a kid's icon and one of the most cherished superheroes ever do on screen. They did that. And then they managed to make the amazing Spider-Man two, which is awful. 
Yes, yes. Uh, I, I, I didn't like, but the new Marvel Spider-Man movies are, are great. Excellent. Yeah, because the they're because because Sony's not making them. Yeah, Marvel is. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of horrendous, well, depending on who you talk to, uh, JD and I are going to stick around. If you head over to Patreon.com/slash/FightGameMedia, we're going to keep the conversation going over there. Um, so we are going to finally talk about the Black Scorpion and go through a history of the Black Scorpion. So. Sting. Sting. So head over to <laughs> head over to patreon.com slash media. We're gonna comb through one of uh, JD's classic uh, Russell Joy articles that's gonna be re-released probably by the time you hear this uh, on JD's Substack. JD, where can they find your Substack? Uh, the best place to find it is actually I'm going to put subscriptions for it because like Substack's a little bit more tricky. You can't just go oh Substack.com. It's it's a little bit trickier than that. So I'm gonna put out okay. in the show notes. I'll have um the link to the Substack. You just subscribe and it'll pop up right in your email. Right. I'm also going to share it on my Twitter. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I can get the boss man to give a nice little retweet. So if you're listening to the show, you can see it from there. We'll have it attached here. And then you too can read the history of the black scorpion and who it should have been. Yeah. And then listen to our companion piece, which is going to be on patreon.com slash fight game media. All right, guys. Until next week, mahalo. Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network.